This week on Tea with Queen and Jay, white people call each other out and it don't have shit to do with us. You love to see it. Also, the impact of messaging in audio versus visual media, colorism as a global phenomenon, working while black and free, can you do both, and checking your straight privilege while dating. It's Tea with Queen and Jay, people. Drink up. Hey. Hey, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. How you doing? I am good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We are actually recording on Indigenous Peoples Day. Ow, shout out to Indigenous people. Pour it up to that shit. Ow, ow, ow. Word. This could be a good time to find out what Indigenous land you reside on or what Indigenous land you grew up yes. on. I think that this is the website we used. Native-land.ca. Right now, I imagine because it's Indigenous people's day i can't get on the website it's probably a lot of people taking the time to do that today Mm -hmm. but if you are unaware of what indigenous land you are currently living on that could be a good place to start yo find out what colonized land you are inhabiting because as we fight for equal personhood on this land it's important not to forget that we are on a whole entire stolen land of a whole entire people who experienced genocide and that it fucking started there And it's important that we acknowledge that in our move for liberation and freedom and in respect to indigenous peoples of the past and those that exist here like today. Yeah. You dig? Mm Mm-hmm. Welcome, Welcome to, to Tea with Queen and Jay. We are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea, dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And, and this, this is Tea with, with Queen, Queen and Jay. And if you would like to follow the conversation being had on this here podcast, podcast. you can do so by using our hashtag, hashtag Tea with QJ. We love when you use it on all the social means. Another hashtag you can use is pod in and that allows other folks on that hashtag to find t with queen and j podcast make sure you are following us on the show's me just like come on get that shit together we are on instagram and twitter at t with qj we are also on tumblr and facebook yes those things still pop okay we are there so you can just search for us there and follow us there as well we love 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 when you send us t-mail you can send us t-mail by emailing us at twithqueenandj at gmail.com. Send us all the questions, comments, silly things, serious things. Pour us libations. Y'all do that a lot in our email as well. We appreciate that too. That's right. This is a spot of tea episode. That means there's less formatting than some of our other episodes. We get in. We get out. We say what we have to say. It's a good time. Same great content, just less formatting. It allows us to produce a show every week, week. especially in these COVID times, which it has been admittedly more challenging to get the show like edited and out there and shit. Mm -hmm. But we're here. We're doing it. We're surviving. So let's get into libations. Libations are where we pour some for the homies, the people, places, and things that give us black as joy, the ancestors, all of that. This is where we pour out libations. Jay, what is your libation? My libations for this week. My first libation I want to give is for water. Um, okay. Like 
bodies of water. Okay. This weekend, I um, went to brunch, was hanging out, mm-hmm. and then we happened to social be social distance Brooklyn. brunch. Al. Yes, it was. Yes, it was definitely social distance Throwing that brunch. Ass in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rooftop situation, so open air mm-hmm. outside. Yes. My table, we were over six feet away from the next oh, table. Yes. It was like we were all kind of lined along the um the balcony mm-hmm. area. Okay. So yeah, so social distancing, it was it was lit, it was good, it was great. So we did that. We were in Brooklyn and then we walked over to the water. Whenever I'm near the water and I have time, I definitely like to walk by it, mm-hmm. you know, what have is, a moment, yeah. see what's going on, look over it, look across it or whatever. It just makes me feel good. I feel connected to it. So if you live near a body of water, go hang out over there before it gets too cold. I don't know, you know, depending on what state you're in. I don't know what the weather is like. But in New York, we definitely want to do outside things before it's too cold to do those things anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you can get near a body of water, please do that. There's healing in that shit. My other libation is for competent medical care. So right now I do still have a little bit of health care, which I'm very, very thankful for. And I know that a lot of us had not been going to the doctor because of COVID. So I know you and I had a bunch of like doctor's appointments and shit that we had to cancel at the start of COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it became like, okay, well, when is it safe to go to the doctor again? So I just wanted to encourage anybody who's kind of been waiting for it to be safe to go. Anybody who had concerns over that. I think that our healthcare professionals are being super careful Mm -hmm. with that shit. So I would say that right now it is a good time to, if you have doctor's appointments that you've been hesitating on making, Definitely do that shit. I believe from what I have heard, and you can Google this, if you just need maybe like a routine dentist appointment, maybe don't do that right now because your mouth is just open. sitting there. <laughs> yeah, your mouth is open. Right. Um, so not like there are people I'm sure who like have things they need to get done at the dentist. Yeah. That's a different thing. But if we're just talking about like, like a, a routine cleaning, cleaning checkup or whatever, maybe avoid that. But other medical things, other like your physical, other things that... Like, it's time for you to go in and get checked up on. Let's just make sure that we're not allowing COVID to have us lapse on our medical care, our health, Mm -hmm. and un-COVID-related medical issues. So please do that if you can. We need to stay healthy, yo. Health is important. We do. So those are my libations. What are you pouring libations for this week? So I'm pouring libations... If you listen to this podcast, you know I love trash reality television. Like, it's Mm -hmm. my black joy. It takes my mind off of so many things. And last week, I started watching Housewives of Potomac, which I had avoided that series because I was triggered by all of the light-skinned women, to be honest with you. And it was just Mm -hmm. like, I know that part of Virginia. I have a childhood friend who's from that part of Virginia. And her family had like this, like, casted away some family because it was dark. So I just kind of was just like, "Mm, Potomac, Mm -hmm. mm, mm." Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, whatever. is that Virginia? Is that what that it's is? It's Maryland, Potomac, Maryland. But do you know oh, how the DMV is? It's a part of the DMV. Right, Alexandria, yeah, sure. Virginia is like right by there. Like, yeah. Right, of course. So I was like, mm, mm, mm. I just had a bad connotation when I saw the word Potomac. Mm-hmm. But I watched it and it was just a regular classism, black, anti blackness, not like a mm-hmm. huge, heavy amount of colorism happening there. So I could have, right. uh, I could take in that regular um, kind of. Not regular, but I'm talking about the on-trend 
regular classes anti-blackness that happens on these reality shows where right. the women are like rich the black women are rich and shit mm-hmm. like that so i was like oh okay i could do this so it's been taking my mind off of a lot the world is burning so it's like right. great to just watch people have arguments over like the silliest things ever talking mm-hmm. about people i just it's just funny to me to see adults who are not calculated and how they like me, I'm a person who talks about people all the time. So all I do is talk about people, but I'm never in mm-hmm. mess because I will say it to the person. Like I don't, I don't say right. things about people that I will not be comfortable saying to them. Mm-hmm. Like I don't gossip in that way. So right. that if they ask me, I'll be like, "Yeah, I did say that." <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. it's just funny that like you know you're on camera, you know you're on this. I know the stuff is not real, so they're doing it for the show. But it's just like, mm-hmm. really, girl, how did you get caught up? Like I don't know, whatever. But. Right. I'm only on so, season three. Okay. So what? So, but the cast is mostly light-skinned women. The first season, everyone was light-skinned except for one person. Right. But second season, another dark-skinned woman was put in. Third season, another dark-skinned woman. So they mixed it up. Okay. But the first Got season, it. when I saw it, I was just like that. The word Potomac was like a trigger for me from what my childhood friend said Got about it. her okay. family. And then mm-hmm. when I did try to watch that first season, it was boring as fuck. If you watch it, skip the first season. It is boring as fuck. But then it got better. So I'm still watching it. I like it. They cannot dress. Oh, my God. I've never seen, That's like, funny. such horribly dressed women. And I enjoy it. I enjoy laughing at the outfits. I enjoy, like, oh, my God, she thought that was cute. <laughs> like, it's, they look so bad. Like, they're mm-hmm. beautiful women. Their clothes is just right. not good. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been delving into that. It's been really, really helpful. It's just so much good. going on. Let me know what happens as you catch up. Because there was, like, kind of, like, a colorist um, energy or controversy or whatever recently. I don't know if it was discussed on a reunion show or whatever. But there was some fight that took place. I don't watch the show, so I don't know. But There, there is was colorist stuff that's in there. But it's strange because it's amongst... The first season, there's colorist stuff in there, but to me, it's like black gatekeeping because one person is biracial, but they're actually biracial and brown. And these other light-skinned black women who look like they could pass are like, are you Mm -hmm. black? (laughs) So it's like, y'all are not not very Mm -hmm. smart. Race is so much fun. So much fun. It it does come up, but to me, it's in ways that that's palatable. Right. So the drama recently was about a fight that took place with, I want to say, and again, this is just from what I've observed you all talk about on like social media and different podcasts i've listened to because i don't watch the show but supposedly there was a fight and the way that they were talking about the dark-skinned woman engaged in this fight was as if she was some sort of like monster or as if they were like in which fear is because, which is of, what happens honestly which, which is happens, what happens. On all anytime of the a dark-skinned woman gets into shows. a fight on yes. any of the shows it all happened on Basketball, basketball wise, wise or whatever exactly. yes That's if why the woman in the fight is dark skinned she, she they turn like, her into oh she's she a monster Tyson. she's she ghetto she's this yeah so like mm. that's why i think i was also able to watch it because i was like wait i watched this other show that does this basketball wise yeah. i watched love and hip-hop like what i think i was just triggered by the story that my childhood friend told me from when she was a kid and i'm, I'm like yeah. I, I think i can engage so i'm engaging yeah. that stuff is happening but i don't feel as harmed by it as everything fucking else that's happening i don't know if i would gotcha. be so like detached from it if the world if wasn't we burning yeah. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean but for right now I'm enjoying it their wigs oh my god their wigs are not good it's just it's a nice hot mess and um, mm-hmm. yeah that's what I'm doing right now oh my Probation. goodness this is the show it, this is is this wait maybe that's the wrong 
there was, this is the one with that older woman who had the braid wig on, the braid lace front. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know what I, I haven't was reached watching. that yet. I don't know what I was watching. That might have actually been regular. That might have been an episode of regular Housewives, regular Atlanta Housewives that I have fallen into. I don't that watch one these I shows. Watched, so I don't remember that at all. It might be Potomac. Maybe shows. I'm not there yet. Maybe there I'm was not an there episode. There was an episode three. with this older woman. They were going on some sort of trip. They had to get on a bus and she had on a braided lace front. And by braided, I mean, she decided that she was going to braid her lace front that day. And it was uh, it was a hot mess. It was yeah, a I don't know. It was this like group of people. These, so in, such an intense hot mess. These group of people, I don't even think they would braid their hair like that's too black. <laughs> right. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Because there's one person who is biracial, but she wears her hair in big afros all the time. And someone was like, mm. all I saw was this big bush coming towards me. And it was it was checked in the reunion where it was like, uh, that's, they didn't okay. say anti-black, but it was like, bitch, like, you don't say that. Mm-hmm. But it's that kind of like Southern colorism, colorism, texturism. anti-black, yeah, featureism mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. It's Sounds there. fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy it. You deserve yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Yep. All right, good. This is the part of the show where we talk about donations and how you can support Tea with Queen and J podcast. But we want to make sure that we highlight the fact that there are still people protesting in the streets and protesters working for equal personhood of black folks, working for black ass liberation and black ass freedom working for everybody's liberation and all of that good shit. So we want to make sure that we are supporting them in the best ways that we can. If you look in our show notes, there is a link with a list of bailout funds, petition lists, different organizations that you can get involved in and find different ways to support as we are in this current season of national uprising Mm -hmm. and all of that good shit. So be sure to check that out. Also fucking vote. Okay. Fucking vote. Sidebar. Take your census. Side note. Like, if you have the privilege to vote, do that shit. If you could take the census, I think everyone can do that shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. That ass. Do that fucking shit. Once you've done that, there are several ways that you can support Tea with Queen and Jay podcast. We rely on our listeners to keep us going. Queen, how can folks support Tea with Queen and Jay podcast? You can go to our website, teawithqueenandjay.com, and there is where we have two ways for you to donate. You can slide down on our homepage, and there is where we have two options. Oh, no. Two. I was like, no, no, two. Not today. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> our first option is our paypal option and that's where you could come and put however much you want however many times you want no commitment there and then our other option is our patreon option and that is where we're asking for two dollars a month two dollars you can give more or less that is up to you we are all about access and options so do what you want there just understand that that is a monthly dough nation we also appreciate non-monetary support and ways that you can do that is by liking and sharing this podcast on all the social meets telling a friend about this podcast rating and reviewing this podcast on apple Podcasts and other podcast apps we love when you do that we see when you do that all of those things are things that help tea with queen and jay grow That's right. If you would like to sponsor Tea with Queen and Jay podcast, if you'd like to advertise with us, if you'd like to hear your ad on Tea with Queen and Jay, email us at teawithqueenandjay at gmail.com. 
If you'd like to hire us to speak at your school or organization about white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, dismantling white supremacy in the workplace, womanism, black feminism, black hair, or some shit you've heard us discuss on the podcast, or if you'd like us to do a virtual live show or consult you or your team, send us your T-mail at twithqueenandj at gmail.com. So we have a few donation libations this week. Queen, what do we have? All right, we got some PayPal donations. Thank you to Jana, Ulan, and Melissa. And then we also got some new patrons. Thank you to Rashonda, Jordan, Catherine, and Kai. We also got Renee, and Renee says, Hi, Queen and Jay. I just wanted to say hello and thank you for the work that you do. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year, and I've been meaning to sign up as a patron for a while. I'm wishing you both all the best. I hope that you and yours are safe, happy, healthy, and finding ample, abundant joy in this crazy year. Much love to you from the left coast. Thank you, Renee. We also have a new patron, Juana, and Juana says... Oh, I love this one. It's my favorite song. Okay. So Juana (laughs) says, hello, Queen and Jay. I found your podcast last year when I was going through it financially and being fucked out of real estate commissions by my supposed mentor. Mm -mm. I walked into the office one day and walked out for good within 20 minutes of arriving because I couldn't continue to deal with the bullshit also known as white capitalistic patriarchy. While I was out of a job and stressing about being broke, listening to your podcast was a bright spot, still is today. Long story short, I changed my mind about charging the fuckery to the game and I took him to court and won. Hey, that's my jam. I still haven't been paid all of my coins, but taking his ass to court was almost payment enough because I know he underestimated me and didn't think I would do it. Mm. Yes, Swana. Delicious. I started a new job. So sweet. I started a new job before the Rona hit and have finally pulled myself out of the high interest credit card debt I ended up taking on while I wasn't working. Now I'm here to give other black women money. Thank you for your time and efforts in spreading your womanist race nerd gospel. Your voices are important. Much love from Texas, Juana. Oh Thank you God. so much, Juana. I love that letter, yo. That, that really is. Oh, delicious. <laughs> I love it. It's not even like, I was going to say revenge. It's not even revenge, yo. You get what, got what you, that they owe you. That shit was yours. That was, what's that yes. Retribution? Am I saying that right? I don't know. Retribution, yes. restitution. Yeah, one of those. All of that. Reparations. Yes. I don't know. And thank you to Ulan, who is also a new patron. And Ulan says, minute 5830, what's the math on that? I am so using this. I love you both so much. Been rolling with you for a minute, but this line just had me fall out. Wow. I have been out of New York for too long. Thank you for everything you are doing. I send links to your show out every week to people who need to hear you. OMG, you are both so great. Much love. I'm sending you a bunch of masks. <laughs> thank you Ulan thanks for sending us masks and also like that ass with the math on that like use that like, yeah that was from uh, last week's episode where I don't remember what we talking about but, but we don't know white the supremacy math. and why not like why change shit to white narcissism oh right right like, right white supremacy versus white that narcissism made, made yes <laughs> I remember that thank you so much Ulan Ulan actually broke us off lovely on the PayPal and, and became, became a, Patreon. a Patreon thank you so much we really really appreciate you yo all right, are you ready to get into the motherfucking show? Yes, let's get into the fucking show. All right, 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 all right. Queen, what kind of tea are you drinking? I am drinking a ginger turmeric tea. Oh. And it's good. And I put a lot of agave Delicious. in it because for some reason, I want to be Genesia. 
<laughs> Welcome to the dark side. But yeah, that's what I am drinking. What kind of tea are you drinking today? Um, I'm back on my bullshit. I'm drinking my jasmine green tea. Okay. It's a delicious go-to. I I don't know how much artificial flavors are in here because it really tastes like I'm chewing on a jasmine flower, <laughs> and I love it. And I love it. So I just hope that the no harm, there's no carcinogens or whatever oh, the gosh. fuck. I hope no harm is coming to me because it's just it's too good. It's too good. Mm. So that's what I'm having. What are your pronouns? She, her. What are your pronouns? She, her, they, them. And aside from my pronouns, I'm not a lady or a part of ladies. So thank you, please. And don't, don't do it. I just had to say don't that. Fucking do don't fucking do it, yo. Do it. What are you affirming for yourself this week? I am affirming that I'm a bad bitch. I'm affirming that I am enough. I'm affirming that I am self-employed and financially wealthy without trauma. I also affirm that I am well-rested. My hair and fashions are popping my body and mind are healthy Healthy. and that i'll always and forever stunt on these hoes like i just you know hoes are white supremacist patriarchal capitalistic people Mm -hmm. what else am i affirming i will say yes to only the activities that are healthy for my mind body and emotional well-being i will courageously protect my happiness I also want to affirm that we will continue to have a safe and healthy reopening of New York City and all other cities and towns and provinces and states all around the world. And I will affirm, and I'm going to affirm all year, that we will still have a fruitful and abundant 2020, a bundles, a bundles, a bundles for everyone. Something you need abundantly will happen for your ass. That's right. I love those. What are you affirming for yourself, Jay? I am affirming a life full of abundance, health, wealth, sustainable, rewarding, and financially beneficial Mm self-employment. I affirm I am enough. My apartment is paid for. My rent is paid. I am productive. Opportunities are fruitful and bountiful without trauma. I affirm being able to organize my schedule and my day and get things done free from fear of not doing enough or fear of disappointing anyone. I affirm productive therapy. I affirm healthy romantic relationships and trauma-free living. And I affirm liberation and power to all the people. Exactly. More justice, more peace. All right. So this past weekend, SNL had comedian Bill Burr on... Um, who was the musical guest? Was it Jack White? Was it a bunch of people? I think it was Jack White. Yeah. That's he looks like a sexy vampire. I don't know if sexy, but he does look like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, as far as vampires go, you know. So that happened and there was a lot of conversation. I didn't watch the whole episode. I did watch Bill Burr's monologue. Again, he's a white comedian. What else is there to him? That's all I got. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I got, too. I'm familiar with his work as somebody who likes stand-up. He's been Mm -hmm. around for a long time. Mm -hmm. He has an animated series on Netflix. I want to... What is it? F is for Family? I think that's what it's called. F is for Family. Mm -hmm. He has a podcast. People have enjoyed him for a long time, but I will say that this, maybe over the last five years... There was a period of time when white guys really started going hard about being white guys... Mm-hmm. And he's a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I know that white people have done that for a long time. Like white people love going hard about being white people and being racist and all that was stuff. Was it during that time when all of the sitcoms were had white men who were horrible and Sam Cowell was out in house? Was it around that time too? Because <laughs> it was just like white men, let's be evil on TV. No, like that's funny. That no, weird. that was a different that was oh, a, another era. That was another of, reemergence. Of specifically okay. white men being bad on TV. No. Okay. What I'm talking about is like I feel like 
there were comedians who were white and then there was a turning point. I don't know when the turning point was, but like a turning point when like Adam Carolla, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr a little bit, like when these guys who were just white comedians before who said regular, like casually ignorant white shit, but weren't on the like, I am pushing forth and I'm shoving my white bullshit down your throat or whatever. Mm -hmm. There was a turning point and maybe it was, maybe it was like, during or post or like right after president obama when they were like we really need to affirm our whiteness and push against these social Mm -hmm. justice warriors kind of thing right so i feel like bill burr is a comedian whose energy um can lean in that direction Mm -hmm. he has been going on and on about cancel culture which like if you still have your job if you're still able to earn fucking jk rowling is out here thriving only black women okay where's chrisette michelle where's she at okay (laughs) where's she at right only black women get canceled like everybody else yes people are going to talk about how much they don't fuck with you but you will still get your checks like everyone is still getting their checks kanye still got his adidas deal or whatever like no one gets canceled everybody yes people will come out and say that they don't fuck with you like they used to people are still working so nobody wants to hear that cancel culture shit right so bill burr is one of those white guys who says white guy stuff um but i do feel like there's different degrees to that or whatever Mm -hmm. but he's a white guy who usually i don't want to hear from he acts every now and then he'll pop up in something i want to say that i saw him in was he in the mandalorian i don't know but he'll have like a bit part in something he'll be there he shows up Mm So this is his first time hosting SNL and his monologue caused mixed reviews amongst (laughs) mixed reaction, mixed reaction amongst white women. I would Mm -hmm. say I wasn't checking for it because it was like, okay, Bill Burr is on there. I'm not, there's nothing about this. I'm looking forward to. I wouldn't have paid attention if white women. Yeah. I only watch SNL when some, someone interesting or iconic in my black life is going to be on there. Then maybe I'll check in. I'll watch the replay or whatever. So yeah. So I didn't think anything of it. So I was like, okay. Yep. Same. But then there was some buzzing on the timeline that I don't know how it leaked over to black Twitter. (laughs) Because there was buzzing on, it was on a different internet. Whatever internet white women be on, Mm -hmm. it was on that internet. And somehow it leaked, spilled into our internet. Yeah. There's a part of his monologue. That's the part that, for me, seeped over into the black Twitter world. Where he is calling out white women in in terms of white supremacy and their role in it. And how they like to co-opt what he called the woke movement. I don't know whoever calls it that, but what he calls the woke people movement. call it that. I've seen it called that in media. White men like him call it. People that? call it that. People call it the people who sometimes people who are critiquing it, but who are out on the outside of it will mm-hmm. call it that. It is a thing. I actually think that we should play it so that everybody can hear. Yeah. Uh, let's talk white women here, shall we? <laughs> Let's talk white women. White women, you're amazing. Amazing your accomplishments over the last few years. I got to tell you, the way white women somehow hijack the woke movement, generals around the world should be analyzing this. Just to refresh your memory, the woke movement was supposed to be about people of color, not getting opportunities, the at-bats that they deserved, finally making that happen. And it was about that for about eight seconds. And then somehow... White women swung their Gucci-booted feet over the fence of oppression and stuck themselves at the front of the line. I don't know how they did it. 
I've never heard so much complaining in my life from white women. My life is so hard eh, with my SUV and my heated seats. You have no idea what it's like to be me. Trash and white guys, the nerve. Where's the camera? The nerve of you white women. Let me, I, listen, I don't want to speak ill of my bitches here, okay? I don't, but let's, let's go back in history here, okay? You guys stood by us toxic white males through centuries of our crimes against humanity. You rolled around in the blood muddy, and occasionally when you wanted to sneak off and hook up with a black dude, if you got caught, you said it wasn't consensual. Yeah, that's what you did. That's what you did. So why don't you shut up, sit down next to me, and take your talking to. <laughs> Thank you. So. All right. So that was just a, a small clip of a larger, I think you said it's what, about like seven minutes? Yeah, it's about seven minutes. Yes. Yeah. I love when they have actual comedians on mm-hmm. so that when they do the monologue, it's like, like it's somebody who yeah. does this. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was fucking funny. Yeah, it was funny to me. He does talk a lot about race. In his stand-up, and oftentimes, it's shit that I don't want to hear. Yeah. But I felt like this was good commentary. Hold on, Fast and Furious. Where are they going? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. Isn't it raining today? hmm Oh, gosh. I lost my fucking thought. We were talking about how it seeped over into black Twitter. Yes, yes. That clip is the clip that seeped over into black Twitter. And that's how I was introduced. Because I, like you said, I don't watch SNL unless there's a reason for me to watch it. You know, unless mm-hmm. there's someone in black entertainment or, yeah, honestly, black entertainment that intrigues me that I'm going to watch it or whatever. Right. So, of course, when I saw it, I'm like, this is funny. This is fucking funny. And, um, yes, I agree, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. But then I started to notice that there were... From what I saw, not a whole lot, but there were white women who objected to this. There were mm-hmm. the Karen conglomerate who were like, this was inappropriate. Um, this is misogynist. Don't call us bitches. Me, I enjoyed a joke where I was in the butt of it. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah. a joke that had nothing to do with me and I could just be a voyeur mm-hmm. and watch happen and unfold. That's something that honestly does not happen a lot for black women, like at all. So I appreciated not being involved right? in this. I appreciated this look like, oh, this is y'all like y'all talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, this is y'all I, shit. I have nothing to do with this. Y'all go ahead and be mad and talk about what you need to discuss. Uh I'm gonna laugh at it and yes. go about go about my day. Exactly. When I initially listened to it, I was thinking, okay, is he punching down? Mm-hmm. Right? Is he punching down or is he punching sideways? Yeah. Right. So Punching down to, for those who don't know what we're talking about or whatever, punching down is like when you are a part of a certain population and your jokes, the butt of your jokes are people who are more marginalized than yourself, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I was thinking like, what, is this considered punching down? But I felt like listening to it again, mm-hmm. I felt like he calls out toxic white masculinity, specifically yeah. the group that he is a part of. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like, to me, that makes this critique like more valid, because it's not something that he's saying that he's not a part of. Yeah, there's some, like, his own white male accountability is a part of... Yeah, it feels like he's taking accountability and he's also saying, hey, and you all, blah, blah, blah. And really, honestly, I get tired of checking white women. So... Yeah. 
talk to each you other. You say that all the time. Know? Talk to each other. Check each other. Talk mm-hmm. about it together. And if you're going to talk to white white people, SNL is a great place to do it. <laughs> Dead ass. Okay? That's where that other white woman sat up there and ate her cake like she was too stressed out to do anything else. What was that, that white woman's name? The comedian? She was on 40 Rock. Remember, it was like, it was a lot going on. This might have been right after the election and she just decided to sit there and eat cake and we were as black people and black women specifically kind of... Oh, okay. I remember. What What is her name? I remember. I don't, you know, me and white people's names. I'll tell you in a second. Marie Antoinette. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. That's the one who said ha, let ha, them eat cake, ha. I think. Ha, ha, ha. Tina Fey. Oh, but anyway, if you're going to go somewhere and talk oh, to white women, I did think... picture Jaws. I pictured like Jaws when the cake was being eaten. Okay. That's how my mind works. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. If you're going to talk to white people, white women, SNL is a great place to do it. And I love that this had nothing to do with us. Word. And it was fucking fantastic. It was. It was funny. It was also interesting because I don't engage in, I guess, white Twitter ever because why? But it mm-hmm. was interesting to see them policing each other too in ways that mm. for some reason black people think we're in this vacuum and we only do that to each other. So of course I don't look at white people as a standard for anything, but it was just like, look at this thing that we, for some reason we think is just something we do to ourselves um, mm-hmm. and we do intercommunally where I can see this other community doing it themselves because they were like policing each other and what you should say and what you should not say and how he should have did this joke and that's not comedy and this and that and i see us have those conversations with each other all the time and then there are ramblers of people who think that that's something that we just do that that's something that is that only black people call yes. out each yeah, other that we're the only yeah. yeah that we only we call out each other only we critique each other and it's like no, that's just... We're tearing each other down. Yeah, and exactly. And it's like, right, no, right, black right. people are allowed to critique each other, question each other, not agree. We're allowed to do that. And we know here on this show that we're allowed to do that. But for some reason, there are people who think that we live in a vacuum and we're the only population of people who do these things, who has these questions, who challenges each other mm-hmm. in this way. And that's not the truth. I know that's not the truth. We know that's not the truth. But it was nice mm-hmm. to be like, to see it. Like, see, I knew that shit. I knew, you know, mm-hmm. this is what white women talk about. White men all the fucking time. Black women mm-hmm. aren't the only people who talk about their men. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was just mm-hmm. nice to be like, see, look at them doing that shit that I know that they do all the time. Yeah. And I also think that it's rare that white men challenge violent white womanhood. Mm-hmm publicly in this way Mm -hmm. because white women are tools of white supremacist patriarchal capitalism they're tools of white supremacy they are both used as tools to uphold white supremacy as tools and objects to defend and allegedly protect in white supremacy Mm -hmm. and like white supremacy uses their existence to justify a lot of its evils yes they are also as objects being used as objects of white supremacy they're also like the butt of a lot of the jokes and oftentimes abuse. And when I say abuse, I mean as people who are also white. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They also are on the receiving end of abuse due to white supremacist patriarchal capitalism. Yeah. And the dynamics of that and that relationship are rarely discussed by everyday white dudes in this arena publicly Mm -hmm. where we can all see and watch because if you critique it then how do you uphold the system in this way you know what i'm saying yeah 
when you're saying that, it makes me think that we're able to get to this point for this white man to say this in this way because of the labor black people have done as far as like recording these videos of these white women like being violent in these ways that isn't the physical violence that we generally see white men do, but like the whole like, I don't know, Patties and the Karens and, you know, this whole influx Mm -hmm. of like, you can't like hide from the fact, like black people know this, white people even know this too, that white women do that in this way, but their campaign or their propaganda is always that white women are the damsel in distress and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. is being overturned because we're recording every fucking thing, every instance where it's like, I'm not fucking doing nothing. And this woman is weaponizing her whiteness against me. And it's like, you cannot avoid that now. It gets to a point where you have to say something out loud. White people have to say Mm -hmm. something out loud because we have been Mm -hmm. revealing, 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 revealing this shit online for like two years now. And it's just like, you can't just say that white women are just as marginalized damsel anymore. You can't do that. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's above us now. <laughs> it's right. like literally above it us is. now. Yeah. It is. What do you think about, so as black women, as black people who are women, as black women, what do you think about the white women um, and other people who claim that that segment of his monologue was misogynist? Um... He uses the term bitch. He says, you know, my bitches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think of that whole thing? I feel like if they feel as misogynist than it is, like I, I am a strong believer in like how it lands is how it lands. It, it doesn't land that way for me because I come from a space where my bitch isn't like this horrible, horrible thing unless it's like that bitch. You know, like it's just a different mm-hmm. language thing. But I do think that if someone was offended, if a white woman was offended as far as misogyny, as far as like being called a bitch, not being called out on your role in white supremacy, mm-hmm. then I'm okay with them feeling that way. Like that didn't land on me as misogynist. Mm-hmm. But if it landed on some white woman in that way, I guess I'm gonna be honest. I don't really care if it did. Okay. Yeah, I don't really care either. And I'm trying to analyze what that means. If I should care, and I'm trying to consider. A situation, I'm trying to think of a parallel situation for me as a black woman in which I would feel that um, what was being said was misogynist, misogynoirist. Mm -hmm. It's really Um, hard to me to connect with marginalization of white women. It's really hard for me to connect mm -hmm. to that. It's really hard for me to empathize. Like there is a huge block for me there that's always been for a really long time where like... Mm -hmm. If it's overt, then of course, like, you know, I can definitely be like, oh, shit. But I noticed that it is really hard for me to, like, see something I relate to when it comes to things like this in terms of white mm-hmm. women. Like, with this, like, they if they feel as misogynistic, I'm saying, okay, if you, if you think so, then okay. But I don't feel mm-hmm. anything. Like, I don't feel mm-hmm. the misogyny. Right. I, I do have a block there. Like, I can't empathize in yeah. that way and it could be because i have been violated by so many white women so i don't mm-hmm. i ain't got it i don't have that empathy yeah i don't got it but i was really also even trying to consider is there anything really to be got it might not be i don't know 
Yeah, it might not be. I appreciate you saying that if that's how they feel, that's how they feel. And then it can be valid because they are women and he was talking to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So sure. But I also feel like in the context of this conversation and the discussion of white women being in bed metaphorically and mm-hmm. physically yeah. in bed with toxic white masculinity in support of that rolling around in the blood money of it. <laughs> I feel like the use of that language was relevant. To yeah, agree. The subject matter, you know, so I don't know that I would call it misogynist and uh, yeah, I don't know. Y'all can hit us up and tell us what you think about that. I feel like Um, if he didn't say bitch, then they wouldn't have brought up the word misogyny, to be honest. Right. I don't. If he didn't say those Mm -hmm. my bitches, I don't think they would have been like said it was misogyny. White people, Mm -hmm. white women feel very different about the word bitch than black women do. Hmm. It's very different. But I'm sure if he didn't say bitch. Do we? No, we don't like the word bitch, but we all, there's also, I'll call you a bitch. I'll say bad bitch. Like, I don't, I don't, there's ways that we use the words that we don't feel harmed by it. Mm -hmm. I'm not in white world at all, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, we don't want to be called a bitch either. Mm -hmm. But like, I do feel like bitch is something different on that side. Mm. I don't know. It's different. Mm-hmm. Not saying that black women's relationship to the word bitch is better or like we take it with a cuff because we don't. Don't just call me no bitch. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. This I don't know. They just seem more fiery when it's like. <laughs> yeah, it's I like... feel like they weaponize it when they want to weaponize it. Right. Yes. So in this situation, yeah, right. I feel there like he's there he's making a valid critique on mm-hmm. whiteness as a whole. And white womanhood and the way that they the role that they play in this and i feel like because it's being used in this context during this discussion the most comfortable thing to say instead of facing the actual critique the mm-hmm. easiest thing to be like is, is well he says bitch so i'm gonna dismiss the whole thing exactly you know yeah. what i'm saying mm-hmm. forget the whole thing like mm-hmm. why are we listening to this anyway so i feel like i have seen white women do this kind of thing when they decide that okay Because their branding is protect them, they're fragile, yada, Mm -hmm. yada, 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 that the term, any term, any harsh language towards them is weaponized to say that you can't say this to or about white women. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, what are you doing? Anything is, is, is deemed an attack on them and their existence. I don't agree that we see it differently. I think that we are more creative in the ways that we use it as we are more creative with everything. Mm -hmm. And so... I think that we acknowledge the times and and when it is used in a way that is harmful and we don't like it and we speak up about that and that we acknowledge the times is when it's used as a term of endearment or in whatever fucking way we decide to use it in that moment. Because we watch film and consume media where white women call each other bitches like, hey, bitch. They just say it differently and boringly and nobody wants to hear it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but I do feel like white women are keen at weaponizing things and deciding what is harmful to them because a part of white supremacy is them being able to say that everything is is harmful harmful. to them Mm -hmm. and they should be protected at all costs and whatever city you have to burn down allegedly in the name of their fucking protection Mm -hmm. you can do that whoever you need to destroy white women are used as the excuse to enforce white supremacist patriarchal capitalism and i think the use of the term bitch or the understanding of it 
to their convenience as a harmful thing is like mm-hmm. a part of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I enjoyed that clip. I did not particularly like enjoy his whole monologue. I think his whole shtick about cancel culture is like tired. And, yeah, that like, was tired. The um Black History Pride Month joke thing was like, yeah, the Pride Month joke tired. was tired. Right, that was tired. The part mm-hmm. we liked is the part that's in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we enjoyed that. It was uh, valid and it was. Uh, relevant Mm -hmm. it reminds me a little bit about when dave Chappelle, the moments currently when dave Chappelle still says things that are relevant Mm -hmm. i do believe that he really gets a kick out of punching down and then he kind of when people challenge it he does claim victim a little bit Mm -hmm. and that is whack and bothers me but i think that there are times where he still says things that are relevant this reminds me a little bit of that kind of vibes and energy you know how you can look at something and be like yes this piece of it was actually like relevant but Mm -hmm. like that other stuff i didn't really need it you can keep that like we said before let us know what you think let us know what you thought and we will take a break and be right back yeah money do you know what this year is what every year is all about yeah but like giving black women your money yes give black women your money hashtag pay black women yo okay okay so So. how do they give black women their money well they can start by giving us their money oh yes yes we do this dope ass women is race nerd podcast every motherfucking every week sometimes twice um, a week yeah yo (laughs) and we could use your loving motherfucking donations Um, we definitely can absolutely so how can you do that you can go to our website tvqueenandj.com hit that donate tab Mm -hmm. we have two options there two two you become a patron or you can just donate through PayPal. Yep. You choose. We mm-hmm. give you a choice That's right. on how you give us money. That's right. If you want to donate via Patreon, we're asking all of our listeners to break us off $2 a month. That's $24 a year. And if everybody who listens does that shit, we will have everything that we need to do everything we want to do for this podcast. Everything. And if you love us so much that you want to break us off a one-time donation, a multiple-time donation, or if you don't like the, the once-a-month kind of system, you can go to our PayPal and give us any amount of money we will take that shit we will love that shit we will appreciate that we shit will use that shit that's right so once again tea with queen and hit the donate tab and choose your donation method of choice oh my god we're gonna get money again <laughs> all the time yes and we're black all the time here at tea with queen and jay podcast we love highlighting black women owned businesses in an effort to pay black women and get black women paid and this month's sponsor love lavender shea organics is a black woman owned body care brand that we are loving right now love lavender shea organics was originally developed to foster the needs of travelers who love organic and natural products items at love lavender are sized for people on the go so i hate clutter and love products that are efficiently sized for my space you know me i am an extreme purger i do not like shit taking up my space so that's why Mm -hmm. i love this so through research love lavender shea organics was created as an all-encompassing natural skincare company to enhance your skin without harsh chemicals and greasy buildup while cultivating self-love and sustainability in all of their products 
lovelavendershade.com incorporates a few of their key ingredients to achieve perfectly healthy skin. These ingredients are shea butter, vitamin E oils, essential oils, and a lot of love. They call this their custom blend. Love Lavender Shea products are formulated to reduce inflammation, hydrate skin, rejuvenate damaged skin, and aid in combating fine lines and age spots. Incorporating love into everything they do at lovelavendershade.com, 10% of each purchase goes towards Chavrul contributions and their scholarship that helps graduating high school and college seniors. This month's Chavrul contributions will go towards Girls Going Global, empowering girls to be global citizens. Love Lavender Shea is a plant-based company striving to help you achieve your skin's natural glow and all products are packaged in a sustainable TSA-approved container with personalized travel reminders like don't forget your deodorant mm-hmm. and other cute shit. I enjoy those. Yeah, I do too. For Tea with Queen and Jay listeners, when you visit lovelavendershade.com now through October 19th, you will receive 10% off your purchase using code TEA. T. That's code TEA at lovelavendershade.com. All right, 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 all right. All right, so back in 2019. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Good times. Better times. Better times. Better times. Better times. <laughs> yes. Beyonce released the song Brown Skin Girl as a part of her Black is King album slash Lion King soundtrack. So if y'all know the remake of The Lion King, Beyonce was in that. We enjoyed the album. We also had some critiques for the way that Brown Skin Girl addresses colorism. And we discussed that in episode 215, Brown Skin Girl. That conversation starts at minute 3404 and it's about 25 minutes Mm-hmm. That we talk about it and you can hear what we have to say there. Mm-hmm. This year, Beyonce released the musical film visual album Black yes. is King featuring the video for Brown Skin Girls. So we wanted to read this listener email and talk a little bit about the visual work. So this is from Kim. Kim sent us email and it says, Brown Skin Girl, thank you for making me realize why I hate this song. Hey, y'all. I've been going backwards to make my way to the beginning of the show. I've heard so much that I've wanted to comment on, but I had to say something about your reviews on Beyonce's Brown Skin Girl song. I've been dubbed a hater and ignorant by so many people for saying I think this song is awful. As an actual brown skin girl from Texas, I felt so much comfort in so much of Beyonce's art, but this was not it. And when I saw the video, I was hot. Why were there Indian girls in the video? That was all the proof I needed to see that this was some haphazard bullshit. Highly offensive. It made me sad that so many dark-skinned women were so excited about this, but it's not my place to tell someone else what they should enjoy, especially when we get shat on so much. Anyway, love the show. It's all I've been listening to other than Marsha's Plate and The Read. P.S. Your review of I May Destroy You was excellent. Michaela's voice is so important. So right. thank you, Kim. Do you have yes. any things to say, Jay, about that? Uh, I do. So thank you so much, Kim, for that. Thank you for listening to our back episodes. We really, really appreciate that. I listened back to the conversation that we had about Brown Skin Girl, and it is an interesting hot take that I had not heard elsewhere or whatever. So that's a good listen. Definitely go back yeah. and listen to it. I do have different feelings about the song versus the, the video. video. I am also a light skinned person. And so I feel like the song was not intended for me. And so I feel like, you know, my feelings about the song are whatever they are, but I don't 
have strong feelings about it except that i know that a lot of people enjoyed it yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. a lot of people enjoyed it yeah we talked about like what our critiques about it were you talked about how you felt about it mm-hmm. and i kind of piggybacked on that and agreed with you and i do think that there is a difference between the audio work and the visual work yes and just real quick before i get into all of that i do feel that brown skin girls of all races around the country and by what i mean by brown skin i mean dark skinned women yes they experience colorism anti-blackness regardless of their race because mm-hmm. darkness is associated with africa and africanness regardless yes, of what of country way, you yep. are in mm-hmm. and i do feel like it is relevant that there were indian girls in the video and as i watched the video again last night there are all different kinds of brown skin girls in the video. There are women who did not look to be Indian or black in the video yeah. who are brown mm-hmm. because there are brown skin girls like all around the world that rhymed and it was annoying. But <laughs> I think that it's relevant and important. And I really do feel like the work that Beyonce did the message that is sent in the video yes. to me is a different message than what's being sent in the um audio work itself Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so we got the and i don't know if they're if they were supposed to kind of come out at the same time i don't know what the deal was or if it was supposed to come out sooner and and maybe covid delayed the release or whatever but i feel like it would have been valuable to get both of those closer together Mm -hmm. yeah i do think we should talk a little bit here about what our critiques of the song were queen if you want to get into that yeah because i don't care for the song either and a lot of it was because I don't really like when a conversation about colorism just stops at beauty and desirability and like pretty shit because colorism is something that legit limits access to darker skinned people. Darker skinned mm-hmm. people are actually imprisoned more, actually abused more, actually like there's statistics that say that if you're a darker skinned person, you're going to be treated horribly because right. of the way white supremacy and anti-blackness is set up. So I, I just, for me, it's like, my understanding of colorism, this is just like a very basic surface level conversation that I'm just kind of over. I think I said on the show, I don't need a light-skinned woman telling me I'm cute. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm cute. I I know that. I need access. It's just other things in a colorism conversation that I prefer us to move into. And we seem right. to just kind of just stay on desirability and beauty and if I'm going to get married or not. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a bitch like me don't care about stuff like that um that's not something that's important to me i did understand that for, you know for a lot of little black girls a lot of little dark-skinned black girls that that is something empowering for them mm-hmm. but that's not where i'm at so it was like uh you're kind of late with this beyonce kind of late right right and i i kind of feel like as a light-skinned person i feel light-skinned people our role in colorism is to take actionable steps towards dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism colorism Mm -hmm. and those systems that help it to thrive yeah and Mm -hmm. so i think that for me yes it is important that i tell my dark-skinned niece you are beautiful you and and i affirm her in all of those ways it's important that i do that especially in our case she's my only dark skin are they nibblings is that what they're called i don't know that's what you call them i don't (laughs) know 
No, I think that there's a there's a word for like your nephews, nieces, and non-binary people who are like oh, in that it, role it, or whatever, it. right? Mm-hmm. I just don't know what they are. Okay. No, I did not make up nibblings, queen. Okay, I would come harder than it that. Sounds like something you would say. So anyway, it is. It is. Yeah. I don't like it though. But anyway, she is the only dark-skinned one of my sister's children yeah right mm-hmm. so there are like other dark skin people, people in, in our family yeah. like close in our family so mm-hmm. that's it's not such a like far-fetched thing but in her everyday like immediate like people that she's looking at and experiencing and loving at home she is the only dark skin person and so i think that while it's important that your loved ones and that your black family tell you that you're beautiful and tell you that you're cute and yada 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 mm-hmm. i think that when you are the only one of your physical designation in your immediate family it's important that that affirmation those affirmations be active and ever present and you know what i'm saying ongoing so i think Mm -hmm. in those situations my responsibility is to highlight and talk about how pretty she is how she is a standard of beauty and she is like we, we there's no need to try and fit into whatever these other standards is Word. or look like us or look like a white woman or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. like you are perfect so i think that that is important in that situation i think in a larger context as a light-skinned person it is important for me to use the access that i have as a light-skinned person to dismantle those systems mm-hmm. and so we talked about this on the podcast and we do feel like beyonce does that in her work in her visual work Mm -hmm. yeah yeah what she does is clear that she is inclusive and constantly and consistently incorporating black folks of all designations of all varieties in her Mm -hmm. work in the audio experience of this song though in particular it just did feel very flat very like y'all are dark-skinned you're pretty too make sure you feel pretty kind of thing and i could see how you would feel like this doesn't cut it. Mm-hmm. And I can see how there are people who enjoy that song and think that yeah. it's cute. It works for them. You know, yep. that's great. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like that you say that. Cause I do feel like if those things were released at the same time, like you said earlier, then yeah. it wouldn't have felt so flat for me. Yeah, yeah. The visual work, because I feel like if you're listening to audio, right, you have it's words. Mm-hmm. So like what are your, your what are your words saying? And I think that image activism um and visuals, they just do something different. different. It's like yeah, how they we do. they hit different. Yeah, we always talk about because we're always on social media. Every social media platform that you use, use it with the intent of how that platform is supposed to be used yeah right so like like your whole instagram page should not be just words every single post yeah, it's a visual is platform. paragraphs it's, of, right yeah. it's a visual medium and so you should be using that to its fullest effect mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and so to me it just felt like the audio of that was not used to its fullest effect yeah. like it wasn't I, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like anything was really being said except like you know, remember you're pretty. I'm a light-skinned woman telling you that you're pretty, right? If we take it... Sorry. <laughs> if we take it out of colorism and we just think that Beyonce is a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Colorless. Beyonce is a colorless woman saying that dark-skinned women are pretty. That is fine, but we can't take it out of colorism because Beyonce is Beyonce because she is light Because she is light skin. Yeah, yes. she is talented. She is fantastic. Yep. She is a hard worker. She is that bitch. But also, that doesn't mean. But also, yeah. if she were dark skinned, she might not have been allowed to rise to the height of beyond Beyonce. where Beyonce is at. Exactly. And you cannot, you can't separate that when you hear 
the most uh, popular <laughs> and the baddest bitch of all time, when you hear her singing that song and you know it's Beyonce, to me, you can't separate those things. Mm-hmm. But I do understand and I'm okay with, because a lot of people, we should also say this, a lot of people disagreed with us when we talked about that. Yeah. And that's okay, too. Because like, we get colorist. it. <laughs> those were light-skinned people. I remember. No, there were dark. No, there were darks and people who disagreed with what we had to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so we get too. it. If, <laughs> I know. I'm not saying that they're not. I just wanted to highlight that there were darks and people mm-hmm. who they they said to us that they appreciated it. They got something out of it. Yada yada yada. So to me, in an audio medium, it did fall a little bit flat. When I watched the video, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at. Little dark-skinned girls playing patty cake at the opening of the video, if you watch it from the beginning. Little dark-skinned girls playing patty cake. Dark-skinned girls of all different ethnicities. There appeared to be little Indian girls playing patty cake. Brown, all dark-skinned, brown-skinned girls. There's a debutante scene and one of the, you know, I don't, I can't actually um, identify the exact ethnicities of these people, Mm -hmm. but... There are debutantes who look like they are Indonesian. They're they're just all different kinds of brown-skinned girls because colorism is a global phenomenon. And I really appreciated the care and the effort that it looked like to me that Beyonce took in making sure that this meant something. And I do feel like the visual work for me does more than what was being said in the song. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In the song, it did feel like just, you're pretty. In the visual work, it felt like... I'm holding space for all of y'all. I'm holding... Yes, I'm holding space for for you. You matter. It's important that you be here. Mm -hmm. It's important that we see you in all these different looks. And it's more than... It's more than pretty. It's more than... Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it held... It held weight to me. It And and again, because she is Beyonce. It means something when you are in a Beyonce video. It's more than pretty. Because she is Beyonce, there is a different kind of weight, a different kind of energy that is... That exists to it. And I think that image activism is a real thing. And it just hits different when you see that portrayed in a really thoughtful way, visually, than what we heard, I think, in the song. Yeah, yeah. My thing also when it comes to the visual, I don't have any issues with, I guess, ending like appearing people in a video. But I think that one thing that black people do specifically black american people or black people in the americas is that we think that there's just one phenotype for blackness and that's not the case all of those people can definitely be from the continent you know like the Mm -hmm. the gene pool of people from the continent is so diverse that you can literally look like every one of those black people in their video you know Mm -hmm. like it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I don't know where those people was from, but they could have definitely all been from the continent also. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like mm-hmm. black people literally look like everything. And if we we know that race is a construct, there are black Indian people, regardless of what white people say blackness is. You know, and I think a lot of yeah. times we say black people look like what white people say black people look like. And I mm-hmm. think about like black people, we look like. Many different things. Those folks definitely could have been from the continent or we have to acknowledge that the continent interacted with the world in many ways before colonization even happened. There are black people around the world. There are black people around this world. And I think that we need to 
expand our ideas of what a black person even looks like, what a black mm-hmm. person acts like. You know, like, like I think that we don't know. We don't know if these people were actually Indian. We don't know if these people were actually from Indonesia. But Indonesia does have a black population. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like these mm-hmm. places do have black populations. But because the world says that, no, that is just an Indonesian person, that we just right. we just accept it in that way. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I think that mm-hmm. it is important that we kind of expand what we think blackness even looks like. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. So yeah. fuck is going on in Vanuatu, yo? Those people <laughs> are black. Yes, you know? that's what and I'm Pacific like, Islanders, like yes, they are black. Yeah. They are black yeah. people, but because white supremacy tell us that blackness looks like this one thing, and or yeah. blackness is only things that we know of that came out of the continent after mm-hmm. colonization. We don't even think about the continent before the colonization by Europeans. Mm-hmm. We were interacting mm-hmm. with India. India literally has fucking elephants because of. Africans who were interacting with India. You think mm-hmm. that they're, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's important for us to think about blackness even before white people even touched us, also, right. you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't generally like to just say someone from other countries who are fucking darker than me just because their hair is that hair that they're not black. You know, like, it's just like, yeah. do you know? I think because the continent before Europeanization, they were interacting in places, but not conquering places and not right. like, taking yes. from Yo. places and not raping places. Yes. That you think you that they weren't the there. It didn't happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's the, that's the original. If you didn't post it on social, it you didn't did, happen. It didn't it's happen. Like, if you didn't colonize it, it it's didn't like, happen. It didn't happen. And right, it's like, right, right. nah, we just didn't. That's inter- not the case. It just, we didn't act, interact with the world the same way the Europeans did. But we mm-hmm. were and are of this world. We've been, uh, we've right. been doing this. We've been doing this. Like, mm-hmm. so that is something to take in and consider. I didn't even realize they were, to, in my mind, visually, I didn't even think about an Indian until I read this. I didn't I didn't take it in that way. Same, same. Yeah. I did not see all of the physical diversity yeah, in it. Same. When I first watched it. And I think of all the of the visual album, which I have watched several times, I think this may be one of the videos that I paid the least attention to because I've already kind of had feelings about same, the song. Same, same. So it was, yeah, it was nice to kind of have this brought to our attention so that we could talk about it again because I do think that the video does a lot of the things that we felt like we were lacking in the song yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and to me, seeing that physical diversity, whether we were looking at people who were all from black assumed places or not, yeah. was powerful. To me, it was powerful to see a little Indian appearing girl playing patty cake mm-hmm. with a little black girl. Wow. Like to me, yeah. that that mattered because a part of white supremacy is to kind of highlight like our differences and the shit that separates us exactly. because if we really fucked with each other hard body like exactly. we would do all the things to them that they think that we want to do to them anyway yeah. i don't fucking know but they are, anyway they are afro indian like, people yeah it's it's important i think that we acknowledge the things that connect us and colorism anti-blackness that shit is a global phenomenon yeah. that's not limited yeah. to african descended people and we do look all different kind of ways we do you look know? mad mad ways the mm-hmm. continent is like it's that popping that like well thank you so much kim 
thank you for allowing us to revisit this. Thank you for your email. And thank you so much for checking out our throwback episodes of the show. We're going to put the link to our Brown Skin Girl episode in the show notes with timestamps to where this conversation takes place if anybody wants to check it out. All right, 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 all right. We have been doing trainings on dismantling white supremacy in the workplace. We've been doing that <laughs> yes, with have. different organizations mm-hmm. and shit because we're popping yeah. like that. <laughs> we we're consulting and shit. You so that's been happening. We consistently get emails from all of you on how to navigate racism at work. One of the most recent episodes where we talked about some of this was episode 256, You About to Lose Your Job. <laughs> and we gave some advice to someone about how to navigate some shit at their job and then we had a white listener reach out to us with a response to that advice and so i'm gonna read this this email is from lucy the subject is the business of hr and actually queen you can read it if you don't mind and it's not the Mm -hmm. whole letter it's just kind of the opening just to kind of tell you where lucy is coming from and lucy we appreciate the time that you put into sharing this with us Then we're going to kind of talk about why we're not sharing the whole thing. Yes. So, hello, y'all. I just listened to the episode 256, You're About to Lose Your Job, and I have something that might help. As always, I defer to y'all's opinion regarding race relations and am willing to further understand the actual world that I live in. Okay. So, y'all read a letter from India talking about how to talk with slash cope with racist white people. I have a very narrow elaboration I like to contribute to this discussion. The business of HR and how to cope with white people saying racist crap in the workplace. I heard and agreed with all of the peer-to-peer advice y'all had, but want to say HR is not the worker's friend. I think a lot of people are under the misapprehension that HR is around to be a type of bridge between workers and management. It is possible that used to be the case. Historical understanding aside, the function of HR now is strictly CYA for the management slash company bottom line. I believe HR would absolutely act in any way they thought would make the company run easier. And I believe that might be to fire the black person who heard the comments instead of the racist who say it. Okay. Yeah, so that's the piece of the letter that we're keeping in the show. Yeah, so Lucy actually put a lot of time into writing suggestions for alternate ways to engage with white racist folks at work and how to engage with HR. And I value what she had to say as a white person talking about how to navigate whiteness. It was through a white centric lens, but I also want to acknowledge that in the email, Lucy acknowledges that this is through a white centric lens. Yes. So this is no shade to Lucy. I don't believe that Lucy was in any way trying to white splain. And I don't think that she did do that. So I, I just want to say that, But the reason that we're not sharing it is because that's not what we do here. And so the advice that we gave was based on trying to be a free black person and also navigate the shit that you deal with at work. Yes. So under this white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalistic system, we were taught how to code switch. A lot of us know how to do that already. Mm -hmm. There are whole podcasts based on telling black folks how to best code switch at work and how to best navigate being someone else at work so that you can lean in as a black or brown person, black Mm -hmm. or brown woman, and get what you need at work and do things the you know, some version of the moderated white way or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that's cool. And there's space for that. And I understand it. And I have done it because a lot of us have had to do that Mm -hmm. here in this space. 
advice that we try to give is navigating shit in the workplace in ways that you can be your most free self yes and keep your job if possible yeah and sometimes it just it don't, don't work out work like that yeah. yeah sometimes it don't work out but what what we try to do is give the freest advice possible in terms of how do i maintain my integrity as a free black person yes. within the workspace mm-hmm. And on top of that, we are also under no illusion that HR is our friend. We I think know that, that black HR people, is the feds. All black people know exactly. that. Exactly. We know that. Yes. We don't. The same way that we know that white people are the feds, yes. white people in HR? Fed feds. Fed feds. Okay. <laughs> or black people in HR. Fed feds. Fed feds. Yeah. So we know that. It's just mm-hmm. really a matter of approaching things with no fear. And a part of what we do here is kind of giving people... And ourselves, like these are things that we've talked ourselves through and like worked through or whatever, the courage to say the uncomfortable thing. Yes. And I will say that the person who we gave advice to in episode 256 that's being referenced here, they hit us back and they said that that shit worked, which Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Fucking great. And because white supremacy is so heavy, we have been taught to live in fear Yeah. because bad things happen to us yes okay we have been fired for things bad things happen to Mm -hmm. black people but oftentimes bad things happen to us when we code switch and when we are kind and 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 playing and doing the dance and playing the game and usually you don't feel as bad when you lose in quotations on your own accord versus morphing and acting like this other person and doing these other things and cold sweatshirts right. in these ways and being this completely different person and you still mm-hmm. lose and it's like what the and fuck was it all for so at least in this case you can still have person. your integrity it could be on your accordance you were your full self right and you know like so it's it's mm-hmm. that's what we are trying to do here because we want right. to we want to dismantle we don't want to fold to the system we don't want to yes that's not what we want to do and that's not what we want to mm-hmm. encourage anyone else to do we can't say at the top of the fucking show every day dismantle white supremacist patriarchal capitalism and then tell you to fold <laughs> yeah and suck it up yeah. at work Mm-mm. and shit like that can't yeah do that. so that is not what we do and when we speak we are fully aware that like hr is not your friend and yeah. Yeah, things are scary for black people so yes. some of the things that lucy said in this email is is that they were listening and some of the language that we use and suggested that this person approach hr with it scared her you know what i'm saying yeah. and we're like yes we live this is the fear that we, we live, live under every day all the time okay so we deal with racist shit we did de- that shit is scary we deal with it every day yes. and so when we approach hr there are times when we're going to use scary language which is a part of why we always suggest documenting everything yes that mm-hmm. will at times result it can result in somebody deciding that they don't want you to be there anymore mm-hmm. and so what we try and do is make sure that the people who we give advice to have enough tools that when this person decides okay you stood up for yourself we don't want you here anymore they have enough backing yes. to say oh no 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 wait you can't do this because Because on this this date this happened and this happened like we're navigating the the advice that we give is not how do you keep your job at all costs Mm -mm. it's how do you navigate being a black person in a white supremacist patriarchal world at your job and not completely lose whatever sanity you have left yeah so that's what we're trying to do here it is often helpful and we are thankful to have been able to have the experiences that we have that allow us to share these things in this way. Queen also works in HR. Yeah. So when you say peer-to-peer advice, I know you did not mean to be like diminishing of her experience as an HR professional, but mm-hmm. she is an HR professional. Yeah. We have both worked in corporate environments. We have both worked 
with white people and navigated those experiences in different ways. Yeah. We are also well experienced in fucking race and gender theory. Like that's what we do here. Yeah. So really what we're doing is bridging the gap between that keeping your job at all costs bullshit and which we respect and understand that a lot of people and our parents had to do that shit. That's fine. Um, but bridging the gap between that and maintaining your integrity as a free black person Person. how do you do that so that's what we do here yep when you say here it's always like here (laughs) here. (laughs) i don't know what y'all do over there but that's what we do here (laughs) that's what we do here okay uh but yes lucy we thank you we appreciate you and please if you have feedback or any comment that you want to add to this we appreciate that that please feel free to send that over all right, 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 all right. All right, so as was mentioned earlier, we recently did a full spoiler review of I, I May Destroy, Destroy you. you. Yes, the Michaela Cole series that's running in the U.S. on HBO Max, Max. and was originally, I believe, a BBC series. Mm-hmm. And we had our homie, our therapist friend of inner hole uprising akua join us for added support we wanted to make sure that we covered as many bases as possible yes akua did her thing that was a good episode yes 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 we'll leave the link to that one in the show notes too it was it was was good Mm -hmm. so this t-mail is based on what we discussed in that episode you can still follow follow along like you don't have to pop back and listen to it now Mm -hmm. if you haven't that's fine there is in this email a little bit of spoilers if you still wanted to watch the show with no spoilers so just giving you a heads up what we're spoiling here it's a subplot so to me personally it doesn't feel like a huge spoiler but it does involve Kwame's character who is a friend of the main character and it involves his subplot so Mm -hmm. if you don't want any any spoilers you can can stop it right here yeah you can stop it right here but if you like kind of don't mind too much it's really to me it's kind of a light it's kind of a light spoiler to me it's not that it's not that intense yeah i also want to give a content warning for a mention of sexual assault but there'll be no details and when i say a mention it's i'm we're pretty much mentioning sexual assault in the same way that we mention it in this sentence and you can decide how you want to proceed This T-mail is from Obsidian. Before Queen gets into it, Obsidian talked about their experiences with sexual assault and how we don't always remember those experiences. I shared some of my experiences with sexual assault during our review of I May Destroy You. And so Obsidian shared with us a series of experiences that they had had with sexual assault. And so Obsidian, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing those. We could relate. We connected to that. And... Mm -hmm. I did not want to share all of those things here because the point really is that the shit is insidious. The shit is rampant. And as a community of people living under white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, we have been so gaslit as to what is actually abuse, what is not abuse. Because if we call the things that are abuse, abuse, then the abuser doesn't get to continue to abuse. Exactly. Yes. And the system is based on abuse being okay and being allowed and convincing the victim convincing the survivor that that shit didn't really happen to you and that that's okay yep. so i just wanted to mention that without reading details of obsidian's experiences because i don't think that a lot of us need to remember and relive all of those things here mm-hmm. but yes obsidian we did read that we do appreciate it and i did connect with 
what you were sharing. Okay. So this is the portion of Obsidian's message that talks about some of our critique of I May Destroy You. All right. So I'm just getting to it. With all that, I just want to say that you aren't alone in forgetting shit that happened. I feel like as black women, we also internalize that our pain doesn't matter and that shows up in ways that we just revise or forget. Also, the convo on I May Destroy You was awesome. But one thing I wanted to add was a little more nuance about Kwame and that stink ass white girl. As a bi slash pan person, I totally agree with Queen that I don't always disclose my sexuality before I engage with someone. That's not out of the seat. It just doesn't always come up. And if we're feeling each other, why does it matter? Especially considering how biphobic both straight and gay lesbian folks can be. Although Kwame identified as gay, he wanted to have sex with a woman and she wanted to have sex with a black man. This was a consensual interaction and I'm wary to see anything about that as deceitful when he was generally exploring his sexuality. Also, if you rewatch it, you can tell that she's far more coercive before they start and Kwame isn't totally feeling her, but she's the one who pulls him down into the bed and you can see the hesitance and lack of enthusiastic consent. So it's kind of interesting how I've heard people paint him as a bad person where he didn't do anything but give her what she wanted and she was upset that he was gay, but exploring. He got on that app to experiment with women, and I don't think he should be ashamed for that, especially after experiencing an assault with a man, which is how some women also start to experiment with women and non-men. Also, how she tried to drag him through the mud gave me mad white victim-induced lynch mob vibes like, girl, you dragged the motherfucker into bed and fetishized him like hell, and you're mad because he usually fucks men? Also, her comment about gay men appropriating the female form quote-unquote appropriating the female form or whatever had me like oh nah laughing my ass off but i know i've been rambling for a bit so let me go but i love y'all so much keep being real as fuck and keep being black as fuck keep repping the baddies with the deep sexy voices and the queer walk out here love y'all both obsidian thank you obsidian for that thank you for that so yeah, I it was affirming to be agreed with. I feel like when I'm the few times I've had this conversation, people didn't agree with me, which is totally fine. I have mm-hmm. no issues with that, but it was affirming to be like, okay, someone kind of felt and saw the same things I saw and felt. So that was dope. Thank you for doing that. But yeah, I still kind of feel the same way. And I, I kind of, maybe because a lot of the stereotypes on queer people in media is that we're deceitful motherfuckers anyway, that mm-hmm. I felt some of that and it was like I don't I still don't see that as this deceit and I also Mm -hmm. think that a lot of times queer people don't disclose all the things because you have to we're trying to avoid bigotry we're trying to not be like fucking harmed we're trying to like navigate this world where we are told you are an other anyway um Mm -hmm. so for me it was just a really hard for me to grasp that that could even be something deceitful because here's this marginalized person who I saw being fetishized like overtly who also didn't really even though they were in the space together didn't really look like he wanted to have sex enthusiastically in that way and they Mm. you know went along with it and did it it didn't resonate with me the way that it played out on the show in the way that people were talking about it Mm. i still don't see the deceit in that Mm -hmm. still can't yeah i still do not see the deceit in that at Mm -hmm. all 
Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't watch it, who didn't watch it and don't know what we're talking about. So Kwame had a negative experience while dating men. He was sexually assaulted dating men and then want to explore dating women for the first time so he gets on an app he dates a woman they have sex and afterwards she's saying some homophobic things and he reveals that well i'm gay Mm -hmm. and she's like what and she feels really betrayed and that becomes like a whole thing yeah i think that idealistically ideally i do agree with you that you're just on, a, on an app getting to know people. You should not have to disclose your sexuality every time you connect with someone. Mm-hmm. I do agree with that. Ideally, I have to say in real life, in real time, as somebody who has used dating apps to actually like date and meet people and hang out and shit like that or mm-hmm. whatever, I do feel like there's a certain point where it does start to feel weird if someone has not disclosed um, certain things about their sexuality and mm-hmm. not and just because something feels weird doesn't mean necessarily that it's wrong you know what i'm saying like it might not be wrong for that person not to disclose their sexual identity or sexuality but like i feel like if we are getting to know each other and you talk about all kinds of different things when you're getting to know people and there are opportunities to share that or the other person is sharing those things and they don't discover until much later on and by much later i really mean more of like time in relation to the kinds of conversations that you all have had versus time in the amount of time right because mm-hmm. you could know somebody for a long time and really just have a surface level sexual hangout kind of relationship with and mm-hmm. to me i would not feel as weird about knowing this person's whole sexual identity if the nature of our relationship was based on like these limited kind of like parameters right mm-hmm. If I'm, however, if I'm getting to know somebody and looking to build something with someone, it does, to me, it would be uncomfortable to learn later on that I was the first person that I was the first woman that this man had had sex with. I don't know that me feeling like that makes it that what they did was a bad thing, though. Yeah, that's you understand what I'm yeah, saying? which I get, and I that's why I don't yeah. see it as deceitful. I don't get why it played out that way in the story. Yeah, I didn't see harm in the way in which the story played out, as far as how she reacted, as far as like mm-hmm. you know whatever he wasn't trying to build with her. He was like that's not what was happening. Like the things that you right. mentioned, as far as the different instances where it might feel weird because you are trying mm-hmm. to connect and build and bond. That's not the nature of anything that they were doing. It looked like a casual right. fucking thing, and especially being a person who is queer there can be harm done when you reveal certain things so i i don't i don't like when at least to play out in a in a show right. not like no one has said this but mm-hmm. i don't like when i would say i guess straight people Make it as if this is even playing field when it comes to mm. disclosing information about your sexuality. This is not something mm. as a straight person on these levels that you have to reveal too much yeah. in these ways. Like that's that's not something that you have to do. Of course, there are you know you can you can be demon sexual. You could be a person who loves trans people like totally. So I'm not saying that does not exist for straight people. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. But in these huge instances or the way that they played it out on the show as if it was like this equal playing field you should have told this person like this is not Mm -hmm. this was this was the power or how that 
that dynamic is not the same. Yeah. And I felt that they was making that as if it was the same. Like, no, mm-hmm. you should have told them because of this. And it's like, it's not the same for a queer person. It's very different. It's very nuanced. It's something very different there when it comes to the disclosure of that versus a straight person disclosing whatever when it comes to like how they bond and the future yeah. of the relationship and you know stuff like that so that's mm-hmm. the part that made it like icky because i'm like why why is this like this is the same thing it's yeah. not the same thing right it did feel to me though it did feel to me that in their getting to know each other the impression was given that they had had a lot of communication and like we're texting nonstop or some shit you know what i'm saying but i agree with you that that doesn't mean i mean they had never met before that was their first meeting and everything right texting they were just texting like what was nothing deep Mm -hmm. was happening like they were just texting they were just texting when they finally met she's like obviously like wants to fuck this black man we know that he obviously wants to fuck a woman because of whatever Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and I don't I don't see the difference in that. They they both had their reasons for why they were talking to each other, right? Mm-hmm. But his was deceitful because he wasn't overtly saying, I want to yeah. have sex with a woman because I'm trying to figure right. out because I've had sexual harm. Yeah. I like that you introduced the um the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if the if that is the appropriate language. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but you do understand what I mean by that. Right? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I don't know if the la- if if the language that I would use is power, but I can't think of like what else we mean. Yeah, I know what we mean, and I understand what you're saying. There is a di- it's not the same. Yeah, you're not, not on same. equal playing ground yes. when one of you is more marginalized than the other in relation to the specific topic. Yes. Right. So this specific topic being his sexuality as a queer person and her perceived sexuality as a straight, straight person. person. Yeah. In this situation, mm-hmm. the they're not on equal ground in terms of what could um, possibly happen on the under end. Right. Of that. Who's and who right, who's marginalized? Yeah. He's the more marginalized person in this situation related to this specific subject. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't think the language that I would use is power. Yeah, I, I wouldn't don't think either. she necessarily has either. more power in a certain yeah, in, yeah but in this situation, but it's not the same thing. She and it was presented is, like it was the same. Right. Yeah. I yeah, I agree with you. I feel you. And I think that as privilege. The more privileged yes, person. Yes, yes. She's the go. more privileged person in the situation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I think that as privileged people, and we all know that each of us have different points of privilege, right? So I think that for whatever our points of privilege are, there are things that happen to us or when we are engaging with people who are less privileged than us in certain instances that mm-hmm. make us feel bad. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So like what I was talking about before. Yeah, it would feel bad if I was getting to know someone or felt like I was connecting with somebody and they withheld the fact that I was the first woman that they had ever dated. Yes. They withheld the fact that they were gay and exploring at this moment. I think that I would feel bad, but that as the more privileged person, as a, as a straight person, yeah. right, in this situation, I mm-hmm. think I would feel bad, but I don't know 
that doesn't mean that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I have the privilege exactly. of just saying that, oh, well, I'm straight, or I date men or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have the privilege of doing that without persecution or judgment. Exactly. And so if I'm operating, thinking and looking through that lens of privilege, it does feel bad when other people are not as free with the information that I receive no penalty for sharing that with other people. Mm-hmm. And so when other people are not as free with that information, and I think that that's just how things should go and yeah. that's just how things should work, mm-hmm. it can feel bad when someone is not doing the same thing. But I have to, uh, we have to understand at whatever point of privilege you're at, like their you're privilege be, comes with being exactly. at advantage or at privilege. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So that for me was... How are people not seeing this? Like, this is right. a fucking straight person who's like, you could have just told me. And it's like, no, that's mm-hmm. not what it is for a queer person. I couldn't yeah. just tell you. No, I couldn't. Yeah. No. The other thing is that you don't necessarily know if the other person is queer or not. You could be two queer people not talking about your Exactly. Queerness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, yeah. I don't know. But then I'm I saying guess at straight which for, point... the, for the sake of what was presented in the show. But, like... Yeah. Yeah. You know? At which point the hope is that, you know, both of you as queer people understand why, you know what I'm saying? Like, understand each other's marginalization, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. interesting. The first time we had this conversation, when we did it in the review, we didn't talk about it like through that lens. And mm-hmm. so I, I definitely agree. I feel like that was missing. Mm-hmm. This is good. I like revisiting shit, yo. Dig deeper. That's what Jennifer <laughs> Lewis used to say. On yes, the all the different Dig world. deeper. Deeper. Oh, Dig she's, deeper. She's so great. I love her. Yeah, yo. So we did a motherfucking show, we yo. We did. We did. We did a show. We talked about all kinds of shit. Be sure you follow us on all the social medias. We are on Twitter and Instagram at T with QJ. We are on Facebook and Tumblr, T with Queen and J. We... Have a website, teawithqueenandj.com. You can send us your T-mail at teawithqueenandj at gmail.com. Also, thanks to everybody who left us reviews <laughs> on Apple Podcasts after I asked y'all, yo, where is y'all reviews? Like, what like is you we doing? Like, what is really face. good? <laughs> like, I put what? Like you put their, your, I feel like you put your finger in their face audibly. Like, where I the reviews? did, yo. Where are where the, the fucking reviews? reviews? So thank you so much. We saw them. We read them. We appreciate them. And um, yeah, they, they are importante so thank you so much we Mm -hmm. appreciate you um our homies over at bag ladies podcast are doing a reggaeton happy hour with i want to say gata we'll include the link to the event right on the show notes that is thursday october 15th at 7 p.m eastern standard time so it's a free happy hour free reggaeton happy hour come through kick it enjoy we will be there in the mix anything else no, I think that is it. Do we have a hashtag this week? I couldn't think of one. All right. Well, Black Lives Matter is a classic. That always, <laughs> yeah, that always covers it. Yes, you're yep. right. So hashtag Black Lives Matter. This podcast was created, hosted, and produced by a black girl named Janicia and a black girl named Naima. T with Queen and Jay. We turn up responsibly. Identify as a womanist in a lot of was it been large part because trans women have been demonized by say trans exclusionary radical feminists since the seventies. Trans women are women uh, because there are while there are differences in you know in the way that you know trans women and cis women either are you know, say grow up 
experienced womanhood. There are a lot of issues that we are dealing with that are the same. Yes, we deal with having to, you know, to deal with sexism. We deal with have to say with misogyny on a daily basis. We have to deal with sexual assault. So there are a lot of intersections and common, you know, say things that we both experience. And especially as black trans women, we have been demonized, let's say, and black femininity has been demonized since we got off the boat in 1619. So we share uh, that common issue of having our femininity and our womanhood demonized. And we need to be pulling together to fight that, not having wedges drop between us all. Um, and it's like, and, and it's past time that we, we all realize that trans women are women. You know, we are fighting the same issues and stuff that cis women have. It's just that, you know, it may have taken us a little bit longer to get to, to this point. But, you know, but it's vitally important that we fight together.